0: Yeah, so i got the honor of uh, introducing our special guest all the way from Oz. He's a fair dinkum chap, right? Fair dinkum. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to share this. You know, JP played a, a big role, um, JP and Tasso, uh, Many years ago when I was locked in religion, I was about to give up on everything, give up on the call. I was stuck in a very religious sect. Uh, I call it a sect. But um, everything was about works. So I was never good enough. I was always... Uh, disqualified and disqualifying myself because of the teachings I was brought up as a baby Christian under. And uh, God is so good because when I finally left, well, I was in the transition period of moving away, and uh, a a big problem coming out of that teaching was if I left without the permission, uh, they told me that I would die of cancer. They told me that I would lose my business, I would lose my wife, lose my horse, lose my car lose everything. So I was in a very weird place at that time as a baby Christian. Well, not even a baby Christian, but I-, I think that anyone who's legalistic is still a baby Christian. And I was in a very, very precarious time, and I didn't know how to make the jump. I was a bit scared. I, I didn't have the teachings of grace, the clear, pure teachings of grace to free me so that I could make this, make that step. And um my wife was busy doing uh, Lydia's face because my wife's a cos- uh, cosmo, po- what's that, a cosmetologist or whatever, and um, almost said a cosmopolitan, <laughs> and uh, she was doing uh, Lydia's face and eyebrows and whatever, that's why she looks so good, <laughs> and she said to my wife, because my wife opened up and she said, you know, my husband's really struggling, he's so deep, he's so deep, in this legalism thing, it's putting strain on our marriage, it's putting strain on our finances, you know, legalism will eat you up from the inside like a cancer, you know, and uh, she said he just doesn't know what to do right now, and she was like, "Ah, man, I'll give you, I'll give you JP's number, I mean, I'll give JP's number, I'll give his number to JP, and JP will call him, and he can have a chat with him, the next moment, out of the blue, this guy that I've never met phones me, I think, from Australia, I can't remember where, if he was still then, and, uh, he just encouraged me, and he told me his life story. He told me his whole walk in ministry, heart. he had to trust God to get out of that same disgusting legalist realm that was in his heart. And uh, he really played such a massive role in me taking the step. Uh, if it wasn't for him, and then he put me onto Tasso, and Tasso and them had been walking in grace for like 30 years by that time. And they said to me, listen, there's life after that. There's life after that. Let's show you. It's all in Jesus. It's not in you. Up until this point, you've been having a relationship with your works, with your flesh, and with yourself. Come, let's show you the power of grace. And man, you know, the word grace means charis, and it is the power of being touched on the inside that is now seen on the outside in a man's life. Since then, our marriage has flown. Our lives have, have uh, just flowed with God. Everything came right when we made it no longer about us, but all about Jesus. But it took, took pillars, people who had walked out of their legalism, out of their communities, to, to have the courage to stand for what they believed in, and they were able to give it to us. So with all my heart, I want to thank him, and I want to say thank you for coming today. Let's give him a big, big round of applause. Dr. J.P. Sharnik, come on.
1: Wow, I hope I'll live up to that uh, beautiful welcome. Thank you so much, Didi. You're an awesome, you're a legend, mate. Well, good day, everybody. How's everyone today? Yeah, no, I don't know. No, that accent's not going to do, eh? I forgot I'm in Boxburg. How's it, Chinas? How's it, Boot? How's it, how's it? <laughs> I, was, I was sitting yesterday, I was meeting a friend of mine, and I was sitting in a restaurant in Pretoria. And I'm waiting for this friend of mine, and I was listening to some South Africans have this wonderful, very colorful conversation, and the one I turned around, and he said, man, geez, I went apeshit, and I thought it was the funniest thing, because I haven't heard it for so long. It was just so, so good to hear the South African accent again. It was just incredible. Oops, sorry, I forgot I'm in church. I'm not allowed to say that. I know you guys all say it at home, but when you come in here, then all of a sudden you transition and you change. It's amazing, you can be outside, you're swearing at the wife, you've just kicked the dog, but the moment you come to church and the ushers meet you in the back, it's, how hey, you brother. <laughs> oh, I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed going out, and, and all of a sudden, people start talking Elizabethan. Have you ever met any of those people? Some of you saying, I'm sitting next to one now. How many of you know it's good to be real? And it's okay to be yourself. when I see you I see the apple of God's eye I want you to touch yourself just touch yourself and say I am the apple of God's eye I really feel the presence of God right now and he wants you to know that that he loves you unconditionally without reserve his love for you is like a perpetual artesian well of life. When he sees you, he doesn't just love you. In fact, he's in love with you. And you truly are the apple of God's eye. And that word apple means the little man of your eye. Have you ever looked in a mirror so close that you can see your own reflection back? When, you look, when God looks at you, that's what he looks at. He takes you by his hands like that, and he cups your face, and he says, you are the apple of my eye. God likes you. Relax. God likes you. I'm a proud grandfather, my beautiful daughter, my clean son is here, me my son-in-law. And and I've been with him for two weeks now and I've come to see my granddaughter and I can't wait to wake up in the morning. I'm waiting anxiously to see my little granddaughter. And I know that's how Father God feels about you. He's so anxiously waiting to look you in the eye and say, I love you. I don't love you the way others think you should be. I don't love you the way you think you should be. But I love you just the way you are. God likes you. He loves you just the way you are. With your silly remarks, with your silly quirks, with your silly little innuendos. Maybe others think you're silly, but God says, man, that's my son. That's who I love. In fact, God loved you so much, so much, that he said, I don't want to live without you anymore. And that's why I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to shed my blood for you. You see, you value, an object is valued by what you prepare to pay for it. God was prepared to lay down his life for you. That's how much you are valuable to him. I don't know if that means much to you, but the eternal creator, the one who created the heavens and the earth, he said, I'm not going to want to live another second without you. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to buy you back. And I'm going to put you into my eternal kingdom, into my heart. Isn't that incredible? Hallelujah. Somebody bump your neighbor say, hey, I'm the apple of God's eye. Quickly look at your thumb. There's nobody in this entire world with that fingerprint. Nobody. You are a unique, and the Hebrew word says, a bara creation. When God created you, he threw away the mold. There's no two people alike. Bump your neighbor. Look at your thumb. And say, you're sitting next to a thumb body. (laughs) You are not a nobody, amen? You are a thumb body. Hallelujah. Can you remember that? Thanks so much. If you have your Bibles, turn me to 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1. I came prepared today. I brought a whole lot of notes, all right? So, Didi, you said I can be here for about four hours. Is that right? Praise God. (laughs) It's normally first and second show. 1 John chapter 3, and verse 1 says, Behold, it's a beautiful old English word, which means wow. All right, it means like pay attention. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now, say with me now, we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Behold what manner. The word therefore, manner of love... It literally means what strange love is this. You see, you and I, all we know is conditional love. All we know in all our lives is this love for performance. You go to school, if you do well, you get a little good work stamp. Or you get a star. You go to Sunday school, they teach you. If you remember the memory verse, hey, guess what? You're going to get the little lollipop. And so all we know when you work for a boss,es if you do well, you're going to get that bonus, right? If you really play well today, then you're going to get the little good work stamp or whatever it may be. So human love is always based on your performance. How many of you have experienced that? Only three of you? Praise God. <laughs> We're really doing well, yeah, didi. Amen. But I want you to know that God's love is a different love. He says, what manner of love is this? It's a strange love. The human mind cannot understand this love because we only understand love through condition. Yet God's love is unreservedly, unconditionally, irrevocably, totally different. Amen. And the way we read the scripture is often one day in the sweet by and by we're going to see God, right? Right? And then we'll see Jesus for who he is. But that's not where we live as Christians, amen? We live in the eternal now. Religion loves to live in the future. Are you with me? It also loves to live in the past, to always bring up your past mistakes. Are you with me? I like that. I have to borrow that. Are you with me, okay? Are you with me? (coughs) It's a real Saffa thing, Amen quickly go to john chapter 17 the gospel of saint john chapter 17. And verses 3, look what Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you Before the world was. And this is eternal life. What does eternity mean to you? Often, when we hear it in the charismatic church or evangelical church, it's always an evangelical kind of message to say, one day when you leave your body, you're going to actually experience eternity. Or when I die, I'm going to live forever. And we're going to have this eternal church service in heaven when I die. Gosh, I couldn't think of a worse thing. Are you with me? Can you imagine how boring? What are we going to do in eternity? Well, we're going to worship God 24-7. And you get this picture that God is some kind of a narcissistic Buddha sitting on his throne saying, come on, worship me more. Give me more. And a lot of you have that image of God. I know I had that image of God. And I asked God one day, why must I worship you, Lord? For what reason are you this narcissistic, selfish psychopath that just demands my worship. You want more from me? And the more I worship God, then all of a sudden, okay, um, God's going to now move. Or God somehow gets pleased when we do certain things for him. No, my friends. I want you to know, as Didi said this morning, worship doesn't change God, but it changes you. And I remember the Lord saying to me very clearly, J.P., Laughing in my heart, he said to me, "JP, worship connects you with me, and what you connected with, what you behold in life, you will become." Amen. And this Jesus says very clearly here: this is eternal life, to know the Father. Jesus said in John chapter eleven, I mean, sorry, in Matthew chapter eleven, he said, "No one has known the Father." except the Son, and no one has known the Son, except the Father. Jesus was saying, no one in the Old Testament knows God like I know God. Not one of the prophets knew God the way Jesus knew God, amen? Not one of them, but we love to quote Old Testament scripture, and we love, religion loves it because it can manipulate your mind and control you, And tell you that God is somehow angry with you. I love the scripture in James. that says there is no shadow of turning with God. There is no variation with God. In other words, God does not have a dark side. God doesn't have mood swings. Ladies going through menopause. Hello. God doesn't have a, a, a thermometer that goes up and down or a rev counter. (laughs) <laughs> are you with me? <clears throat> Aren't you glad that the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he never changes. He is the rock of all ages. He's the rock that never rolls. Hallelujah. God is stable. You can build your life on God. So many Christians I meet, they are so emotionally Unstable. One day they hot, one day they cold. Can I tell you why? Because they have never taken the time to establish their hearts in the knowledge of God's love for them. You need to be rooted, you need to be grounded in the love of God. It says we need to live our lives as if your life counted on it in the knowledge of God's love. And you see, the more we behold the face of God through the life of Jesus. Our religious spell begins to get broken over our mind. Are you with me? Over our hearts. And all of a sudden, when you see the goodness of God, you begin to want to repent. Now, repentance has been such a dirty word in the church, and it originated in the 1200s during the Dark Ages. And even into our Afrikaans' belief. When somebody did something wrong, would say, Why? Because you've done something that displeased one of the legalists. And with that self-righteous look, you better repent, brother. But that word repentance, and I'm sure you've heard it, it means a radical exchange of your mind. Amen? You see, repentance, in the, it's actually a Latin word, and it means to do again and again, and to do penance. Amen? If you say so many prayers, if you do so much works, then all of a sudden, God's going to change his mind about you, and God's going to bless you. Have you ever heard any of that before? I remember growing up in Australia as a young boy, and my father and my, my mother experienced terrible floods when I was there. For me, as a kid, it was cool because I sat on top of the roof, and they rescued us with boats, and And we saw the snake swimming in the water, and it was good fun. But for my parents, they lost everything. They lost their business. They lost their home. And when they went to the insurance company, and they said, listen, we need to put a claim in. The insurance company said, no, sorry, well, you can't because it was a flood. And that's an act of God. Who taught them that but the religious mindset? An act of God. When something goes wrong, it's an act of God. Have any of you heard that? I heard it this week, the, 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 the disaster, the terrible disaster in Turkey. Already I, I was waiting for it, and the Christian already saying, well, it was the judgment of God. You see, God's angry with us Muslim people. But how different was Jesus? You see, if you want to know about the acts of God, go read the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts chapter 17, I believe it's verse 28, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Can I say that again? Doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. How many of you know oppression is from the devil? It's not from our good God. Amen. The good shepherd. The one who is in love with you. The one who is for you. The one who is not against you. God is not some kind of a two-faced schizophrenic. Amen? He's solidly in love with you. You can take it to the bank. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? When you come to God, Jesus said, for this is what the kingdom of God is like. Even as a little child, do you remember when the mothers wanted their children to be blessed by Jesus? All of a sudden, the ushers, I mean the disciples, they said, No, 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 you can't, you can't bring those children to Jesus. Jesus is busy with important things now. He doesn't have time for children. Tut, tut, tut. Go on, run along. And Jesus got wind of this. And what did he say? He said, You guys are missing the whole mark. For this is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is my heart. When you read the scripture and it says the kingdom of God, God is saying, this is my heart. This is who I am. This is my character. This is my nature. And Jesus says, suffer not the little children, but to come unto me. Bring those children unto me. And he gets on his knees. And he always comes down to our level. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? He's not someone up there. He's always at grassroots. And he grabs that little child and he lifts up that little child and he blessed the children. He didn't say to Peter, Peter, listen, you better put a toll gate up there. When the child comes, I mean, you, you, you better charge, you better charge for that. Amen? Religion will always charge you. They love money. Amen? But I want you to know there's never been a price to God's love. You, you cannot buy God's love. God's love is not for sale. He is love. It's not what He does on a Sunday morning and the rest of the week is a bit of hate. God is love. Wow, can I say that again? God is love. You cannot separate life from love. For this is eternal life, to know the Father. Amen to experience the love that God has for you. That word know means to experience. See I can I can teach I can teach you um, say how to have a kiss. Amen. I can teach you biologically some of you young lovers out here. I mean I can teach you biologically what happens when Two people get together like Bostic and Prestick. <laughs> I can probably even explain it scientifically to you. I can probably even explain it mathematically to you. But I can tell you the first time I kissed a girl, it was in Bayle Square in Johannesburg. Her name was Charlotte Richter and I can't tell you how beautiful it was to kiss this girl. It was my first kiss. I literally saw stars like you saw in the cartoons. I experienced it for myself. I know many of you old bloods can still remember having your first kiss. Uh, some of you say, oh, that's too far gone, mate. <laughs> you see, it's like that it with God's love. You have to experience it. I can tell you, he can tell you for the rest of his life. But until you say, Jesus, Abba, I am yours. Some days when you're feeling so down, just lift your hands and say, Abba. I am yours, and all of a sudden, this eternal grace will come and flood your soul, and all of a sudden, you got a pep in your step, and you got a slide in your glide, and you're starting to feel happy, amen, and people look at you, and they say, why are you always smiling, can I tell you why I always smile, because over 34 years ago, God ambushed me with his love, I never deserved his love. I was a murderer at the age of eighteen. I was in prison already in Sun City prison. Nobody wanted nothing to do with me. My heart was rotten. I went to my religious church and confessed my sins and they said, You finished, mate, you're going to hell. You've committed the mortal sin. My heart began to get harder and harder and harder. Until one day in a drunken stupor, I took my 357 Magnum and I was going to go have it out with Jesus. And I went to a statue of Jesus. One hand I had a 357 Magnum, the other hand I had a, a bottle of whiskey. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to kill you today. If you cannot accept me, then what's the reason for living? I don't want to live anymore. Because that's what religion does. It will reject you based on your performance. But I said, if there's any chance, Jesus, before I kill you and then I'm going to kill myself, is there any chance that you're alive? Is there any chance for me? Two days later, a born-again Christian walked into my life. And he began to tell me that God had already forgiven me over 2,000 years ago. That when he cried from the cross, it is finished. Every one of my sins were totally obliterated. My past, my present, and my future. He removed my sin as far as the East is from the West. And guess what? He did the same thing for you. Exactly the same thing for you. Oh, happy day Oh, happy day. I went to a charismatic church. I'm mean, a happy, clappy church like this. I'd lost a bet with a mate of mine. And I thought, I've heard about these charismatics. They pray in tongues. They're full of the devil. And I couldn't believe I allowed myself to get into this little building. And there I was. Everybody was clapping hands, so I began to clap hands because I didn't want to feel out. And then they began to raise their hands and worship God. And I could not mimic that. I couldn't. And I looked at people's faces in that place and I could see that they were connecting with God. And I didn't know how to do that. Long story short, a woman gets up and she has a word of knowledge and she says there's a young man here. I was 23 years of age at that time, and he said, "God sees you climbing over a wall, and you've lacked the strength to get over that wall, but today God's going to give you that strength." And that woman prayed for me, and I can't tell you what she prayed. I don't know the words, but I can tell you, after that prayer, I felt like liquid gold come into my heart. Like peace had come into my heart that I'd never experienced. I'd taken some wild drugs in my life, but nothing could compare to what I experienced that day. I literally, nobody had to tell me Jesus Christ is alive. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew in my heart that Jesus truly is alive. For this is eternal life. To know the Father. To know Him to experience him. That day I walked out and I couldn't believe what had happened to me. I lit up a camel cigarette. Do you still get those cigarettes? And, and I was shaking and I, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know about, you know, uh, the Bible. I'd never read a Bible in my life. In fact, we used the Bible to make our marijuana joints in the army. You know, like somebody said, I smoked Matthew, Mark, Luke. And when I got to John, John smoked me. And it truly did. For God so loved me. Nobody wanted to know me. He so loved me. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. While you were yet a sinner and wanted nothing to do with God, God loved you and went to the cross for you. Knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Knew everything about you. And still said, I love you just the way you are. You see, it's not about how much you can do for God. It's not about how much you can love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. My heart, His love literally came into my heart. That anger that I had, it left me. I never had that anger anymore. I I was so enraged as a human being. So full of rejection and hurt and pain. All I could do was create more pain in other people's lives. But that day, when Jesus came into my life, his love took the place of that anger. Because the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. Isn't that amazing? God's love for you is perfect. If you're looking for love at the bottom of a bottle, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for love in drugs, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for love hey, through sex or through money or whatever it is, this world cannot give you the peace that I'm talking about today. 34 years later, they told me, oh, JP's found religion. Mate, I didn't find religion. Religion's a pooh, despicable word, as the Greeks do. Pooh, pooh. Are you with me? Because religion means to return once again to bondage. Jesus didn't come to bring religious. He doesn't want a bunch of religious people, amen? He just wants you, just the way you are, brother. You're cool. You're cool in his eyes. Just be yourself. You don't have to work for his love. You definitely don't deserve his love. One of the biggest words you can use in the Christian, the Christian vocabulary, and it's not amen and hallelujah, amen, it's just thank you. Thank you. You see, that's grace. When you hear the word grace, it literally means gift. All you have to do is say thank you. Brother, why don't you bring me those books there quickly? I wish I had a hands-free marker. What's happening, Didi? I want to give somebody a gift here. Who wants a gift? Brother, can I get your help? Because I'm not going to be able to go there. Just give these beautiful people a gift. What do you say when you get a gift? Thank you. That's all you have to know in Christianity. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You don't have to pay God for his blessing. All you've got to do is say thank you. And that's what the word grace means. Thank you for the gift. For the gift that God gave us is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 that Jesus is the express image of God the Father. In fact, if you read the preceding verse, it clearly says that God has spoken to us in many diverse ways through the prophets of old. But in these days, in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. You behold the face of God through the life of Jesus. If you want to know what God's like, you've got to behold Jesus. Jesus said, I have come from the bosom of the Father. Emmanuel, God with us. God incarnate. Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is God the Son in the flesh. Amen. God invaded the human race. And he said, I want to be so close to you. Religion will say, well, sin separates you from God. What a lot of hogwash. It was God who was looking for Adam. Adam. Even when they decided to become God's in and of themselves and walked away and said, I want to be independent of God. God still went looking for them. And he's never changed. Luke 19.10 says that Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Listen to me. In Psalm 23, when you read it and study it, it's one of the most beautiful Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that word for shepherd literally means my best friend. Amen. Do you know that Jesus is your best friend? And if you read on, it says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It means that God is relentlessly pursuing you. It doesn't matter if you backslid, and he says, I will backslide with you. When you go into the darkest of the darkest, he says, I'm with you. For Jesus said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I know many people, if they knew everything about my life, they would leave me in a heartbeat. But God said, there's nothing that you can hide that will ever make me leave you alone. I will continuously pursue you. I will continuously, relentlessly pursue you. My love will hunt you down. And my goodness and my kindness will lead you to a radical exchange of your mind. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance or metanoia. Take that out of your Bible, repentance. It's an exchange of your mind. Because religion has painted this grotesque picture of God He's not the God in and revealed by and in Jesus Christ. Religion portrays God as this big nasty ogre, this shriek of a God who's waiting there to bash you over the head every time you do wrong. No, my friend, God is relentlessly pursuing you and saying I love you. For me, one of the greatest stories that you can read, and I've been preaching this for over 30 years of my life, and every time I read it, I see something new because the word is dynamic. Are you with me? It's not written in past tense. The actual word is is, dynamic, it means it's ever fresh. It never dies, it never grows old. For the word is Jesus. He's not just a couple of of words on, on, on paper. He's a living, breathing human being, just as grace is. Grace is a person and his name is Jesus. Mercy is not what God does, it's who he is. He always wants to treat you better than what you deserve. Amen. How many of you want to be treated the way you deserve? It's a trick question. Be careful. If I got treated the way I deserved, I should be in the pit of hell today. But God saw value in me, He saw value in you beyond what you could even see in the mirror. Some of you in here, you really hate yourself. You don't even like yourself. When you look in the mirror, you battle to look at yourself in the mirror. But that's about a change today. Amen. When I look in the mirror today, I know what I say. I'm the disciple whom the Lord loves. My dad is very, very fond of me. I feel his presence every morning when I wake up and I say, Daddy, you're with me. Doesn't matter what I face in the day. You're with me. Amen. I was sharing with Didi and them one day, I was, I was cutting this lift shaft and I was with a concrete cutter, and, and it was such a heavy job, and it was pouring with rain. I'm on top of this building, and I'm cutting this concrete and these slabs. I'm trying to cut them as small as I can, but they're so heavy. They're probably about 150 kilos, and I'm rolling them down, and I didn't even have a winch to winch these things, and I'm battling there, and I'm saying, God, I really need your grace, and the next moment, I hear God start singing to me in my heart, can't take my eyes off of you. You feel like heaven to touch. I said, God, is that you? That's a secular song. God says there's no such thing as secular, because secular means without God. I'm in everything. I am omnipotent. I'm everywhere. And he begins to sing this beautiful love song to me. And all of a sudden, I felt the surge of strength and the grace, what you call grace. Amen. Energia, it's the power of God that comes on your life to do the most impossible tasks, amen? Samson would say, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me mightily, and he could do mighty things. Aren't you glad today that the Spirit of God doesn't just come upon us, but he's actually come into us, and greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world, amen? Much greater, For the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives and abides in you. Oh, come on. You want to dance? You should be dancing. Amen. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 in the Amplified Translation. It says that God spins around like a crazy man. He's up and down when he sees you. He says, that's my son. I'm excited about you. Hallelujah. He loves you just the way you are. Come on, man. If you knew how much your father loved you, you start getting bold, amen? Bold like a lion. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. And that's who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. What does that word righteous mean? It comes from scales. Remember the old Portuguese guys used to go to their scales? And you bought some potato, some grandelsh, or some gem squash, and they put weights on the one side. If you wanted a pound of potatoes, they put a pound in there. Some of you still remember pounds, amen? He says, he says "Amen." Lydia yakin. And when that scale was balanced, you reached equilibrium, or the Old Testament would say righteousness. You see, when you get into the scale of God, Jesus jumped in with you, and he weighed himself against God, and when he said, it's finished on the cross, he declared you righteous, as righteous as his son, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are righteous before God. Amen. Isn't that incredible? You are worthy. It's okay to celebrate yourself. Look in that mirror and say, I'm the apple of God's eye. Amen. I'm a somebody, I'm not a nobody. How many of you remember that movie? And I'm getting sidetracked now. Turn me quickly to Luke chapter 15. It's an old movie called Chariots of Fire. I think it was actually made by Dodi Fayyad. Incredible, eh? But in that movie, there's two runners from England, and the one runner has, has got the call of God on his life to go to China and be a missionary. And he has to run, and his sister comes very concerned and saying, "Listen, if you run and you win this race, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna forget about your call, and you're not going to go to China, and I'm really against it." And he turned to her and he said these words to her. he said, "God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his delight. It delights God. Do you know, whatever you do in life, God is delighted in you. When you do something that you do really well, you feel the delight of God. Religion will say, oh, that's becoming an idol in your life. No. That's part of worship. Do you know that? When you start doing what you do really well, God is delighted in you. Because he made you for that purpose. He made you for that plan. Amen. And when you do it and you do it well, that is almost returning worship to God. Worthiness. Amen. Are you with me? Luke chapter 15, I guess, is one of the greatest snapshots or Kodak moment that you can get of the character and the heart of God. Look with me in Luke 15 verse 1. It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, what manner of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Notice that the scribes and the Pharisees were complaining because Jesus is sitting and eating with tax collectors and with sinners. My gosh. You see, the mark of a true spiritual man is not how long he can pray, how long he can speak in Elizabethan, how long he can pray in tongues. The mark of a true spiritual man is how many sinners are wanting to hang around you. How many tax collectors are wanting to hang around you because you got something different? Because they've tried everything this world has, but they see something different in you. And all of a sudden, they want to come and be near you. Jesus was a magnet for the lowest of the low. In fact, if you were a tax collector in that generation, they would read your name out every, every Sabbath in the synagogue and declare that you are going to hell and you are unredeemable. If they brushed against a tax collector, they would go and wash themselves because they were considered so filthy and so dirty because they were taking money from their own countrymen, giving it to an oppressive government and still skimming some off for themselves. Were they despicable in what they were doing? Yes. Yet Jesus found himself in total solidarity amongst his people. He was at home amongst them. Are you with me? That's how radically different God is the God of religion. Do you remember when Moses said, show me your face, and God says, no, I will cause, Moses asked to to see the glory of God, and God says, no, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, which is a picture of Jesus, and he says, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass by you. Isn't that incredible? God, how many of you know he's a good God? You can hear it, you can hear it, but you can't hear it enough. God is a good God. He's the good shepherd. He's not a schizophrenic God. Amen. Hallelujah. Yet Jesus must have been committing spiritual suicide. If you were wanting to get invited as a guest speaker to some of their churches or their synagogues, Mike, that was the wrong way to go about doing business. Because this caused such a scandal. How do you say it in Afrikaans? Scandal. It was a skandal, ne? Skanda. Skanda, that's the word. It's all coming back to me now. Skanda. That he would sit. And in those days, you didn't just eat with anybody, all right? If you sat with somebody, you were saying, come to my table because I'm inviting you to covenant. It was a lot deeper than just sitting with someone next, next to you in a Maccas, amen? Are you with me? He was saying, I believe in you. I'm extending covenant to you. I want to be, be in your life. Jesus sat with them and they they came to him and they listened to him. The scribes and the Pharisees, the religious were complaining. Can you believe this guy? Calls himself a prophet. My word. How could he even sit with these people? I thank God Jesus came into this rubbish's life. Amen. I thank God he came and sat with me and he ate with me. And Jesus begins to share four of the most incredible stories. And the first story is of, he says, what man of you, if you have a hundred sheep and you lose one of them, you do not leave the ninety and nine and go into the wilderness to find that one lost sheep. Notice the Pharisees called these people sinners. Jesus called them lost. Big difference. I remember one day losing my son on a beach. I was putting my daughter in in a pram. And we looked around and my son was gone. A crowded beach Mshlanga Rocks when you could still swim there. It's the only, it's the only Zulu word a Google can tell you, eh? In doll. And I lost my son. I can't tell you what energy came into me. I ran all over looking for my son. Those of you who have lost a child, it's a horrible thing. Magnify that infinitely how much God feels about human beings. Frantically searching, looking, seeking. You see, if something is lost, it means that it first belonged. Amen? When something belongs to you that's valuable, mate, you stop the bus. Are you with me? We stop everything to find it, and, and we will not rest until we find it. That's what Jesus is saying. I've come here for you, for everyone that's lost, and I'm coming for you, and I will walk into the wilderness, I will walk into, and I've been to that wilderness in Israel, it is truly wilderness, are you with me, it's full of wild animals, that poor lamb, it must have been his fault, whatever he did, he walked away, but that good shepherd went and traced him, and and, and, and the Bible says, until he is found. When the good shepherd found him, what did he do? Did he break his leg like religion will say? Religion, I've heard horror stories about this, that the good shepherd actually takes that stick of his and he beats that sheep, breaks its leg so it will never run away again. Not the good shepherd, not Jesus. Maybe religion, but not Jesus. Jesus picks up that lamb and almost like a scarf puts it around his neck and begins to whisper sweet sheep nothing into his ears and says, calm down, I love you, the Bible says we need to be still, and know that he is love, Psalm 46 verse 10 tells us that, be still, and listen to his voice, if you're feeling condemned, it's not from God, if you're feeling guilty and ashamed, that you can't look into anyone's eyes, shame is a belief system that says you're defective, you're not good enough, It's what Adam and Eve first experienced in the Garden of Eden. I want you to know, all you'll hear Jesus say, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. And you've heard that word. It means soteria or sozo. It means I didn't just come to to save you. I've come to heal you. I've come to heal your broken heart. I've come to open the eyes of your understanding. I've come to deliver you. I've come to break the oppression of the evil lies over your life. Sometimes people walk with such deep shame. It's a horrible disease. You don't have to be ashamed anymore because you have been declared righteous. Amen. And you can put your shoulders back and your head up high and say, My daddy's very fond of me. And he takes that sheep back, and the Bible says that he calls all his friends together and he throws a party. And he says, This sheep of mine was lost, but now he is found incredible. The next story goes on about a woman who's lost one of her bracelets. And if you've ever seen a woman in the Middle East, that sometimes they wear uh, coins over their head or around their neck. And one of those coins are missing. And that necklace was often given during a marriage ceremony. It was like a ring. Are you with me? This woman could be divorced by her husband for losing that one coin. And what does she do? She frantically searched searches a whole house. She does a sprinkling until she finds that one lost coin. Amen? Why? Because that necklace is incomplete when one coin is missing. Do you know that if you're not in the bosom of the Father, He cannot be happy. He's incomplete. Amen? I remember sitting on a beach once in Mozambique and And it was a beautiful day. Dolphins were jumping out of the bay. And the sun was setting, and over the palm trees, it was the sun seemed so huge. It was the most amazing sunset I'd ever seen. And I remember sitting there and saying, God, this is so beautiful. But I can't really enjoy it because my family's not with me. I want my family to experience this. And I remember the father saying in my heart, I cannot fully rest until I've found every one of my lost sheep. And I cannot fully rest and enjoy heaven. Heaven is beyond beautiful until I have my family with me. Amen. That's how much God wants and longs for you. Amen. I have a $5 note in my hand here. It's got the beautiful queen's face on her. God save the queen. And fill her with the Holy Ghost, amen. I pray to God she was. But if I take this five dollar note and I scrumple it up, are you with me? And I happen to put it in my garden and I stand on it. And one day you buy my house and you come and you're digging around in the gardens and you find this old five dollar note. And you dust it off and you go to the shop and you buy yourself a tinny. A tin of beer, right, mate? <laughs> or a long tom. It's a long, not a court, it's called a long tom. JP knows about that. <laughs> Do you think that that bottler, the owner of the bottle shop, would take that $5? Of course he would. Why? Because even if it's dirty and it's scratched and it's tarnished, it's never lost its value. Amen? And you've never lost your value to God. Never ever lost your value before God. Doesn't matter where you've been, who you've been sleeping with, what you've done. You will never lose your value to God. Amen. Jesus then goes on and shares a precious story about two sons. And the one son says to the father, Father, and I'm going to finish soon, all right? Can I carry on? Are you sure? Do you want to hear more? All right, come back next Sunday. I'll be here, all right? But he talks about two sons, and the one son says to his father, Dad, I'm tired of being around you. I want to move. I want to go and experience life. Give me my inheritance. It was so insulting that he was saying to the father, Listen, I wish you were dead already so that I can get my inheritance. It, it was such a scandal and such a shameful thing to say to your own dad, I want you to die. And the father, notice, never even tries to stop or dissuade the son. You and I would have chained him to the table and belted him and said, "What did you say?" "F. Wait for me. Fat my belt off." The father says, "That's fine. If you want to go, go." And the Bible says that he goes off to a far country. Now it's not so much geographical distance, but it was a city normally that just had Gentiles in it, It could have been a Roman city, and there were no Jewish people in it, all right, there were no religious people in those days, thank God, probably a good place to go, I hope this church is like it, and he goes to a far country, and he lives a riotous life, I mean, listen, when he's got, when you got money, you got a lot of friends, when you buy in the beers, everybody's your mate, are you with me, Ma, you're a legend, mate, you're a legend, until eventually his money runs out, and when his money runs out, guess what? His friends also run out. And then to add injury to insult, the Bible says that a great famine came upon that land. Now, a famine was a serious famine. Are you with me? There was nothing, nothing to eat. So the Bible says he joins himself to a citizen of that country. And that word join is such a strong connotation. It means to cling to. It means like I'm not going to let go. Have you ever seen those uggs washing your windscreen in the middle of Johannesburg? No, 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 your, your windscreen's dirty. It needs to be washed, mate. No, no, I don't need my windscreen washed. No, no, it needs to be washed. And before you know it, they, they're washing your windscreen. You can find them in cities all around the world. And that's what it means. He, he didn't want to let go of this citizen. And so this guy says to him, oh, you're a nice Jewish boy. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to look after my pigs. To look after a pig as a Jew was the biggest no-go. Are you with me? It was disgusting. He was so hungry that he wanted to eat the food of the pigs. Let me tell you, this world and all its glitz and all its glamour, the bottom line, it's just pig's food. Nothing can satisfy you like Jesus. You see, your heart was created for love. And only true love, perfect love can fill your heart. Nothing else can fill your heart. I've been there. I've done that. I've got 10 t-shirts to prove it. And I'm sure some of you are worse than what I've done. I know Didi was 10 times worse. <laughs> Until he's in his rags, he's, he's, he's torn, he's stinking like a pig. And it's, the Bible says he came to himself. And he says, I know what I'll do. I will arise. And I will go to my father. Because in my father's house, even the servants, they eat well. He can remember feasts where his father put on like a bride for all his servants. And he said they had more than enough to eat. And yeah, I'm sitting feeding pigs. I know I will go and I will say I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I just make me like, I just want to be one of your hired servants. And the Bible says while he was yet a far away, the father had compassion upon him and the father saw him. He saw him. You see, love let him go. because God only wants us to love him because it's a freedom of our own hearts. Amen. God didn't make us robots. And this son, when the Father sees him, the father begins to run. Do you know why the father ran to meet him? How many of you want to know? Two of you? I right, come back tonight, I'll tell you. No, the father runs. Can I tell you why? Because what the son had done was such a shame upon the father and that man of statue. That they lived in villages. That all the villages were duty bound to beat and to belt the living you know what? Out of that young man. So that he would learn a lesson. And the father runs before anyone else can see the son. And he falls upon him in a form of protection, and says, no one's going to beat my son. My son, who was lost, who was dead, is now alive. Amen? And the Father protected him, because that's what you call the wrath of God. God's wrath, that's exactly what it is. I can tell you now, if somebody wanted to hurt my little granddaughter, or somebody wanted to hurt your daughter, JP, what would you do? Mate, I'm telling you, I know these two guys, are, they are as strong and as tough as you can get. Nobody will come near them, and that's why, because it's their wrath. That's the wrath and the anger of a father to protect their child, or a mother to protect their child, amen? Can you imagine you're walking in the bush, and all of a sudden, a snake rushes out to, to bite your child. What are you going to do? Let the snake bite the child? No, your wrath will kick the living you-know-what out of that snake, Amen? boldness will come upon you. That's how God feels about you. So much so that he said, he who knew no sin, he became sin on the cross. He took your beating at that cross. Amen. God was in Jesus reconciling you to himself and saying, no one's going to beat you. I'll take your beating. And the father puts a robe of righteousness upon him. He puts shoes upon that son. Amen puts a ring, a signet ring, gave him back the family checkbook. There was no time to, to be restored. The father restored him instantly, amen? And threw a party, killed the fatted calf and threw a party, amen? Do you know we had a problem with this? The critical older brother. And how many Christians are running into critical older brothers instead of the loving arms of a father and feeling condemned and beaten? I can't blame people for not wanting to go to most churches because that's what it is. You cop a beating when you go in there and you think it's normal. No, my friend, God has come to liberate your heart. And when you see the goodness of God, even while they're having a feast, it was so rude. The critical older brother wouldn't even come in because he heard dancing and singing. How many people cannot, I can't go to that church because they're too excited about Jesus. Amen. You can never be too excited If you are excited, it's because his love has saturated your heart. Amen? And the father, in humility, the master of the feast, he has to go outside. But that's the heart of God. He even goes out to the Pharisee and to the legalist and says to him, my dear little boy, become like a child again and just follow me. You've not even known my heart I know people that are so deeply religious, but they've never known the heart of God. And God is saying, turn around, come and walk with me again. Just walk with me like a little child. Come learn of me, the Bible says, and I will give you a true rest. Amen. Come and take a holiday with me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many times you have heard religious people turn around and say, oh no, it's by your heart to the Nobody said it's easy except Jesus. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I can't tell you how much God wants you to be a true worshiper. Remember the woman from Samaria? He said, the hour has come upon you. And it's even at hand right now. That the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They won't have to go to Mount Zion. They won't have to go to the mountain that was in Samaria. You don't have to go to some big fancy church, amen, to worship God anymore. Jesus said that system is now finished. In fact, it's right now when Jesus said it's finished, it's finished. Religion is gone. It's obsolete, the Bible says. The old is gone, amen. Why? He said, I will give you living water. Zoe. Zoe life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Zoe life. And what does the word Zoe mean? It means the same quality and the quantity of the giver of that life. Can I say that again? Zoe in Greek means the same quality and the quantity of the giver of that life. Hallelujah. I'll give you rivers of living water that will flow out of you. You will never be thirsty again, hallelujah. Never again, oh child of God. I haven't come to teach you anything new. In fact, I've just come to evoke some memories because a lot of you have got amnesia and you have forgotten who God is in your life. You have forgotten the greatness. The scripture says that God is my great reward. God is your reward. Why are you waiting for some reward in the sweet by and by? Some people think we're only going to get away when we get to heaven. No, for this is eternal life, to know the Father. When you begin to see the face of God through Emmanuel, God with us, all of a sudden your life begins to change. Because you realize that I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen. As the scripture says, we need to acknowledge every good thing that be within us. When I drink this water, right, where is that water? It's now part of me. Amen. Do you know that you were baptized into Christ? You are made one with Jesus. You went to the cross. You went to the tomb. But on the third day, you rose from the dead. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ is inside of you. Oh, my goodness. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That God was not religious. He came into your life. He's with you. He's in you. Amen. You never have to be alone again. You are not alone. His arms are always with you. Always for you. Never against you. Isn't that good news? Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Zoe. And life more abundantly. Hallelujah. God is a God of abundance. He's not a God of lack. Just think about that. When you receive Christ, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in your heart. The same Spirit that rose the dead lives inside of you and me. Not a different Spirit. I haven't got a big Holy Spirit and you got a little Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit, Amen. That opens the eyes of the blind. That opens deaf ears. That causes the lame to walk. Isn't that incredible? That same spirit is inside of you, child of God. Some of you are looking at me like a cow looks at a new gate. Do you know that God is patient? You might not get it today. But maybe in a couple of months' time, you're going to say, Hey, that crazy man from Australia... Because God is patient with us. And the more we behold the glory of God through the face of Jesus, and we see His life, and we see and interact with His goodness, guess what? The more we are transformed, metamorphosis takes place. And all of a sudden, as I'm still with Him, my heart begins to connect with God. Until eventually I've got to the point where I don't even want anybody, I don't even want to share it. I'm so, so jealously in the glory of God. The peace of God in my life. The Bible says in 1 John 5 verse 12, he who has the Son of God has the Zoe of God. The same quality and the quantity of the giver of that life. Oh my goodness. None of us understand that fully. I remember developing a horrible rash in my body. I used to have a homeless shelter in Hillbrook. And I picked up some kind of scurvy or something in my body. And I remember it just wasn't going away. I went to doctor after doctor after doctor. They gave me cortisone creams. They gave me anti-inflammatories. They gave me uh, penicillin. They gave me everything. Nothing seemed to happen. This thing started growing worse in my body. And I remember going to Nigeria, and I was preaching a place called Port Harcourt. It's very humid, incredibly humid place. And this thing flared up so bad. And I was preaching up a storm, and people were getting touched. People were getting blessed. It was unbelievable, except me. And I could hear this mocking in my ears. Oh, heal yourself, great physician. How many of you have ever been there? Sometimes there's just not a breakthrough in your life. And I can tell you why there's not a breakthrough. It's because you haven't failed to renew your mind to the goodness and the kindness of God. This is a mirror, people. It's not an instruction book. It's revealing who you are. Remember I said what you behold, you become. When you connect yourself to the face of God, all of a sudden it reflects back in you. Amen? When I hold my little granddaughter, she looks directly into my eyes. And I look into her eyes and I just, my heart just melts. But she'll stare right through you because there's such purity in her. When God looks at you, I'm telling you now, his fire is not to hurt you. It's to liberate you. Remember, he said to John in the book of Revelation, Behold, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am he who was dead. I like that. Have you ever met anyone that says that? I am he who was dead, but I am alive forevermore. I live, and that very life lives and breathes inside of you and me as children of God. Know you not that you are the temple of the Most High God? Amen. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine by the power of God that works within you. Amen. Amen. And I remember going that morning, that evening, into this dingy little hotel room. The the generator's going on and it's, it's the fumes are coming through the window. And I said to God, God, listen, I'm not talking to you. Speak to the hand. This is just not fair. I've been doing everything and yet I'm still not healed. I don't even want to talk to you. Now, I know none of you have ever said that to God. Because you only speak Elizabethan. But I've heard some of you in your little closets, all right? And even some of those un- there's very flavorful, flavorful language comes out. Amen. I was desperate. And I remember that morning I woke up as the sun was coming through. These little curtains were nearly broken. And I remember as I woke up, God spoke to me and said, Son, I'm not the one withholding healing from you. And that scripture came into my heart. 1 John 5 verse 12. He who has the Son of God has the Zoe of God. And I fell on my knees. I said, Father, forgive me. I've been blaming you. I thought that I could do something to earn my healing. And because I was preaching my head off and I was doing great exploits for you, you were bound to heal me. I was trying to buy his love. Are you with me? And I repented like that and I said, Father, I thank you that your spirit is in me. And right now I release the anointing of God. In fact, it says it in John, you don't need any man to teach you, for you have an unction from the Holy One that lives and abides in you. Amen. And I said, I release that anointing into every cell in my body. And I say to this disease and this sickness, You do not belong here. You cannot squat here anymore. You don't belong here. I am the temple of the Most High God. And I said to that thing, go. I went and had a shower. Lo and behold, as I was drying myself, I looked, that thing had totally disappeared off my body. Instantly like that. All you have to do is believe that the life of God is in you, which it is. Amen. Stop trying to earn salvation. Salvation has come into you. Amen. Life has come into you. You don't have to work for it, people. All you have to do is say, thank you. Amen. Close your eyes with me quickly right now. And let us just pray quickly. Heavenly Father, I pray for my precious beloved, your beloved, that is under this roof today. That, Father, they would experience the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of your love, Father God. Not human love, but perfect love. Father, open the eyes of the understanding of every one of us in this room that we can see how good and how much you really love and care for us. That you would walk a million miles. You would cross an ocean just to get to the ones that you love. Father, there's no mountain too high that you would not climb it. All because you wanted us to say God is in us. And that is the truth this morning. You are here, Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would touch every life in this place. That, Lord, you would heal every sick body in this place today. That, Lord, your resurrection power would bring great revelation to the beautiful people, your people in this room. I would ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. I seal the words I've spoken today by your Spirit, by your Holy Blood. Lord, in Jesus' name, we bless you today. We thank you, Jesus, for your holy life in us. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, today, the Bible says, to those who have received the Lord, to them he will give you the power to become his son. If you do not know Jesus Christ and you've come to this place, not by coincidence, I believe God's brought you here to tell you that I love you. And I want to come and invade your life. I want to live in your heart. The Bible says that God is knocking at the door of your heart. And if any man would open that door, Jesus said, I will will come in. Not a different spirit, but the Spirit of God will come into your heart. If that's you today and you say, Brother JP, please pray for me. I want to receive this beautiful Jesus. If that is you today, nobody's looking around, every eye is closed, just simply raise your hand and say, yes, I want to accept this Jesus. I want to make it real in my life. Thank you, brother. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Right now, if you've raised your hand, I want you to just simply pray this prayer with me. Would you do that? In fact, let us all pray this prayer for those that raised their hand. Let's pray together. Let's pray loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I have heard your word today, and I open my heart to you. Jesus Christ, I know you are the Savior of the world, but today I make you my Savior. I receive you, Jesus. I receive your Holy Spirit. Into my life, Jesus Christ, today I declare that you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I give my heart to you, I give my future to you. Wash me in your blood, cleanse me with your blood, regenerate me. I believe. I am redeemed, and you are my beloved, and I am yours, and your banner over me is love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just stand to our feet right now? Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Didi, if you can just come forward, please, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just raise your hands with me right now. Everyone in this place. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I don't know the needs that are in this place, Lord, but you do. And I'm asking you as your son today to meet every need in this place. Father, spiritual needs, emotional needs, And even physical needs, Lord. I ask you to meet every need. Those that are looking for a job right now, believe that the doors are opening. For Jesus, you are the door. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. For those that need redemption right now, I pray right now you redeem them from every single curse in their life. For Jesus, you became a curse on that cross so that we could be liberated and free. Those of you with sickness in your bodies right now, we release that sickness. It does not belong to you. And Father, I thank you that heaven has invaded us today. And in your abundance, Jesus, healing is in your wings. And I thank you that even as Jesus is right now, the scripture says, so are we. In this world, Jesus, you are healed. Jesus, you are delivered. Jesus, you are not anxious. You are not afraid. Because your love is perfect, all fear is gone out of the hearts of your people. I thank you, Jesus. There's no condemnation over anyone here, Lord. There's no fearful expectation that you judge in them. For today we have heard that you didn't come to condemn. But you came to heal and to save. And I thank you, Lord. Right now, every person that can hear my voice, I believe what your word says. If we agree, it shall be done. We agree, Lord, that every need need is met. For you live and abide within us, Lord. And you are our great reward, Jesus. What more could we want but you? thank you Jesus thank you Jesus and even right now backs are being healed in this place stomach ailments are being healed in the name of Jesus there's people with ulcers here right now you've been so anxious you've got ulcers even now those things are being healed by the power of the living God through the mighty name of Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus even someone here, you've come to the end of your road. And, and, and lies of suicide have been coming through your mind. I say desist in the name of Jesus. For God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Rise up, my son. Rise up, my daughter. Says the living God. Come into my loving arms. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You said rivers of living water would flow from our innermost being, Jesus. You said if we ask for your Holy Spirit, you will not give us anything but the Holy Spirit. I ask you right now to raise your hands in this place. Some of you have desired the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And with fire. Thank you, Jesus. Let your fire fill right now. Fill every one of your children in this place to overflowing. Shembo Just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit with me right now. Zehem shaka sondo Open your mouth, begin to pray with me right now. That's a se mo kora makata kalaba yende. Jete kelebo sundolo makaraba salaba kai yende. Yera Zehela moto roma kata Yahabato shanda la mo shoto lo makai yende. Reba yende. Thank you Holy Spirit. Thank you Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. You're not an orphan. Jesus never made you an orphan. He is your Father. He is the lover of your soul. Thank you, Jesus. You will never be alone one more millisecond. Because Emmanuel lives with you and in you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Paracletos. You are our helper. Thank you, Jesus. You are our allos. You're the one that reveals Jesus and manifests him to us. Oh, Holy Spirit, we're so dependent on your kindness and your goodness that you've invited us to dance with the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you will teach us, Holy Spirit, how to take one step, two step, three step until we can waltz with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For this is your goal, this is your aim. That we will be so intertwined with your love, Father, that nothing else will matter any longer. Thank you, Jesus. We will dance with you. Thank you, Jesus. You are our life, Jesus. You are our peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. And truly, there is a river of life flowing out of us.
2: Man, man, did you enjoy all that today? Hallelujah. Man. (laughs) You've been bathed in overflowing. Amen. If anybody needs any ministry, we'll be here on the right, on my right. Please come. We'd love to to serve you. We'd love to pray for you and uh, just give you just an an after uh, empowerment from what you heard this morning. So we are here. And uh, we just want to say thank you for being with us. Thank you for for coming to partake of the same table that we're all partaking of, which is Jesus. Thank you, JP, for being here. Man, we haven't such a long time, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you very much. And uh, you may leave. We we've got some coffee, but please, anybody needs any any ministry will be here for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Just give a round of applause for JP for being with us. Thank you. Amen.